0: Our Father, we thank Thee for this holy hour as we come into the presence of the Lord to say we love Thee, Lord Jesus. And we're glad that You finished the work of salvation at Calvary's cross. We pray that today the Holy Spirit would stir our hearts, that every child of God would rejoice and those who have never been saved would be drawn by the love of God Holy Spirit's conviction until they yield to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord Jesus is represented in the scripture as having gone often to the house of God on many occasions. He went there to pray. He went to the house of God to teach. He went to the house of God to share. He went to the house of God to heal and on an occasion he went to the house of God to cleanse he said it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer of all nations but you have made it a den of thieves the Lord Jesus was concerned about the house of God in every generation The people of God have been involved in building and constructing a house of God for worship. It is a delight to travel around in Europe or in Asia or in Palestine or in Mexico or in other places and see houses that have been built by the people for their God to see those ancient houses of worship built by groups of people sometimes built by individuals for the worship of their God to go to those great buildings that have been erected by previous generations and see the sacrifice and love that has been poured in to constructing these buildings. Some of our teams have been in Mexico. We've been in areas of Mexico where it was so hot it would make yesterday seem like the wintertime. And places where folks are so poor, they live in little huts, but they have sacrificed to build a great building for their God. We went into one in some little city in Mexico and I could hardly believe my eyes in a place that seemed poor. That, that house of God was decorated with gold and enshrined with silver and it was a place of beauty. And I asked somebody, how is it that this house of God looks like this in the midst of all of the poverty of the city? And they said, We wanted to build something great for God and they sacrificed for the Lord God and all the people got to go in that house of God we disagree with them on doctrines and lots of things and on philosophy and and salvation and other things but they built something that said to the people this is God's house we were in Palestine And we went to the city of Haifa. And it's a beautiful city, like a golden jewel, set right into the Mediterranean Sea. And behind Haifa is Mount Carmel, where Elijah had the contest with the prophets of Baal. And as we wound down that mountain and looked down into the city, the guide said, there is a beautiful temple. We want to visit it and I found out it was the temple of Baia it was a worship sort of an eclectic worship and it was one of the most exquisite beautiful buildings I've ever seen in my life and we went down to it we got out of the bus and went into the I thought what will this inside look like it will be exquisite ornate beautiful and we went in it was made of marble and all kinds of decorum and there at the altar there was a vase of flowers and that was it it was so empty but they had given all that money and I'm not being critical I'm just saying they'd given all that money they'd sacrificed in all those ways for an eclectic worship experience and it was all empty inside We find ourselves at Glendale Baptist Church at a time when we're thinking about the building. All the building programs we've had at this place have been built by blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice and the people giving and giving and giving their time, money, talents, those who are part of the present generation of our precious church. Have somewhat forgotten some of the personal involvement we used to have when we built those earlier buildings we did it ourselves we got some people to help us and we had a supervisor but then many of our people would build and we helped put things in place and we helped put those walls up and uh, I remember on one occasion Homer Morris and I ran conduit in that first building over there. If any of you complain about the lights down there, you can just blame us. We put those, got a conduit bender and did all that. And then when we built that second building back there, uh, I remember we all painted the walls and laid the tile. And we did all those things, investing something of ourselves in the work. And then we got a little bit Uh, more sophisticated and we built this building and we didn't work so hard we just paid for it but that was sacrifice and we built the children's wing and the same thing God's people have invested time and concern and love and themselves in a mighty work for the glory of Christ and we are preparing now for the future in 14 years it will be 19 it will be the year 2000 we are setting aside the finances to build for the house of god the building program of these past years has brought us to the past, to the present time and now we must prepare for the generations to come we must look forward not backward And we must say, Lord, what are these next years to bring as this city grows? We read in the paper just the other day that they're going to build another mall out here. And they have paid for that property $65,000 an acre. And some of that property is going for $5,000 a square foot they're not selling it just by acres but by square foot and by inches what I'm trying to say is that the future in the future this city is going to grow and it's growing that way and you and I in 1986 as members of the Glendale Fellowship must prepare for the years ahead for what God wants us to do 10 years ago 12 years ago you'd say that you'd come to the, somebody would call on the phone and say now now I'm coming to Bowling Green uh, how do you get to the church and you could just say well you stop at the first filling station and ask them where Glendale Baptist Church is and they'll tell you or you stop at 10 or 15 filling stations now and ask where Glendale Baptist Church is they don't know and you say well it's on Rose Long Way where's that I don't know where Rose Long Way is you see our city has changed The city has grown, and it is growing more and more and more, and we need to keep that in mind. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, David is the man of God whom God used to arrange for and plan for the house of worship for the great God Jehovah. When Israel had come out of Egypt, out of their bondage, they'd come into the wilderness and been there for 40 years, and God, gave the dimensions and the instructions concerning the tabernacle in the wilderness. That tabernacle in the wilderness, someone has, has uh, done some research and found that that tabernacle in the wilderness cost one million five hundred thousand dollars and if you we do not have time today but if you'd look at exodus chapters 35 and 36 you'd find out it was paid for it was not paid for by the tithes it was paid for by an over and above offering called a free will offering and the people gave liberally and li- sacrificially for that wonderful building for that tent that tabernacle in the wilderness now These freed slaves out of their penury, just having come from Egypt, digged into their pockets and into their tents and into their possessions, and they offered to God a willing offering for the glory of Christ so that the tabernacle could be built. Now the people are in their homeland. The days of Joshua are past. Saul has uh, wielded the kingdom together. And David now is the king and David has been chosen by God to arrange for the finances of the temple and it has been placed on his heart to no longer have the people worship in a tent in a tabernacle in the wilderness if you will but they were going to build a permanent temple and they built it on Mount Moriah but David was a man of war and he had committed adultery and he had murdered and God said David you can't build my house but I'm going to make you chairman of the finance committee and you can arrange for the financing but I want the next generation to build it Solomon is going to build the temple and so God led David to call for that free will offering and they began to give and give and give. The temple was built at great cost, was to be built at great cost. And David gave a large sum to help the construction of that and to help get, lay the foundation for it. Now I want you to notice in chapter 22, verse 14, a very interesting verse. Now, this is David speaking. Now behold in my trouble I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold and a million talents of silver and of bronze and iron beyond weight for it is in abundance timber also and stone have I prepared and thou mayest add to this Now David was saying to the people this is what I've done Now I want you to add to it but I want you to notice a word underscore it or circle it in your Bible Now behold in my trouble in my trouble The first thing that David is teaching us is that conflict is inevitable in building. Conflict is inevitable. Now in my trouble, now that word trouble in Hebrew could as well be translated poverty. Trouble, poverty. It's a Hebrew word that could mean either one. And you can easily see how one would easily be go go to be translated another because sometimes one person is in poverty he's in trouble suppose that word meant poverty what in the world was David's poverty he had given huge amounts to this temple from his reserves and from his own life what was David's poverty is it possible he was saying I am poor in comparison with what God has given to me that what I try to give to God is nothing in comparison to all the blessings that God has given to me it is amazing as we look into history and see what people have done out of their penury out of their poverty out of their lack of substance you think for a moment God knows all about the interest rates. He knows all about the inflation. He knows all about our financial pressures. He knows all about our worries. And still, you turn in the Bible to Philippians 4.19 and you find God saying, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Think for a moment of the people in history who out of poverty, out of penury, made great sacrifice and accomplished tremendous feats for God think of Christopher Columbus it is said that he had nothing he had to go before the king and beg for enough money to build his little ship and to sail across the sea and that little ship if you study it carefully some of us would be afraid to go out on Barren River Reservoir in that little ship but he took that ship clear across the Atlantic Ocean out of his penury and poverty He founded a new world think for a moment of John Bunyan had nothing out of his penury poverty in prison it is said that he took the tops of milk bottles and saved those tops of milk bottles and wrote on that one of the most powerful books that has ever been written. Pilgrim's Progress. Out of his poverty. Out of his penury. You think of that superb artist Turner. He was so financially depressed that he had to mix his oils in broken teacups. And yet he presented some of the greatest masterpieces the world has ever known in art. out of age out of poverty out of blindness milton wrote paradise lost we could go on thinking of men <coughs> through the ages and women through the ages who out of their penurious poverty have offered what they had to god and god took it and multiplied the little lad who just had uh, little loaf little bread and fish and the Lord took it and broke it and blessed it and fed 5,000 people with it oh God help us David said out of my poverty I gave out of my penury I gave now the word translated here could just as well meet trouble I don't know which it means. I think probably the translators of the King James Version were correct, and they translated it trouble. But the word could be well translated either poverty or trouble. But let's suppose it means trouble, like it says here. The very moment David came up with the big idea of building a house of God, there was trouble. While there were some people who said, we've had a tabernacle in the wilderness for all these years, what's wrong with the tabernacle in the wilderness? And there were others who didn't like the design that David was going to give to the temple. And there were still others who didn't like the place he was going to put it. And there were still others who didn't like the building program itself. And Others that thought they, were going to, they could never do it because they could never get enough money to do it. David said, out of my trouble, out of my trouble, I've given. Anytime you undertake a great thing for God, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be some opposition. Obstacles come. but These can be overcome as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I've been amazed here at Glendale these last weeks at the enthusiasm and excitement of our people in in canvassing. In the early years of our soul winning programs, I I saw people come back rejoicing and thrilled and excited and talking about somebody giving his heart to Jesus or I had opportunity to witness and so on. Let's never let that grow old to us. Let's let it never become commonplace. In these last weeks, I've seen people get so excited about our canvassing, our visiting. They'd come back to these report meetings exuberant. I I think the ice cream helped a little bit, did me one night and the kool-aid and the fruit and all the stuff we've had at those report meetings but they'd come back excited <clears throat> and and of course we never mention names when we come back to those report meetings nobody ever mentions a name but they come back excited and say say i got this commitment or i got this commitment." praise god and all the glory went to the lord and the other night the other night we were trying to uh going we were praying toward reaching goals and and we were just uh few hundred dollars short of a certain goal we had for that night and and when we got back those visitors got so excited they said give me another pledge card give me another pledge card and we passed out new pledge cards and the people that were there pledged in addition to what they would already pledged because they were so excited about the house of God and the work of the Lord there's a wonderful spirit among the people a wonderful spirit of togetherness going forward together together we build together we grow together we glow together we go in Jesus name to do what God wants and those who may be looking for a church home where there's a lot of work to do and a lot of growing to do and going together you'll enjoy coming into the fellowship of Glendale Baptist Church well God is so good I heard about this church Dr. Nelson Price is the new pastor, president of the Pastors Conference. And I heard, uh, I heard Dr. Price tell about uh, when he was growing up in his church in the country at home that they, their church had some fellowship problems and, and there were problems going on and, and God just judged that church and he burned it to the ground churches burned down so they got together and they decided we have to build a new church <coughs> and they worked and they worked and they worked and they worked and they had different committees doing different things and they got it all finished and dedication day came and, and uh, Nelson Price said I was there and I looked around and I saw and he mentioned some names, I'll give some fictitious names. He said, I saw Helen over here, and Helen was all exuberant, and she said, uh, he said she uh, was part of the baptismal committee, and they had had sort of a war in the baptismal committee, and uh, part of the committee wanted it one way, and part of it wanted another way, but she got her way and the baptismal place was there and the picture was there and she was just leaning back exuberant and Nelson Price said it seemed like John the Baptist had a resemblance to her husband that John the Baptist was in that picture and then he said uh, Charlie was over there and he was all mad he was really mad because He wanted one brand of piano, and the others had chosen another brand of piano, and he didn't like it one bit. And there was another lady there that was on the carpet committee, and she was all excited because she had the color she wanted. She had called a committee meeting when she knew that uh, Joy couldn't be there, and uh, they decided to make it this color, and they went on and had it, and uh, everybody was there. and And Price said, as they stood to sing, and they were dedicating the building, he said, I thought, what a bunch of hypocrites this is. What a bunch of hypocrites. They went home. They dedicated the building and they went home and went to bed. And at one o'clock in the morning, God did it again. The building burned to the ground. Dr. Price said, God judged that church the second time. And he said that brought them to their knees. And it brought them together together. And they built a house of worship together, going for God. Well, I believe God wants us to do what we do together. And when we do not do it together, God has a way of judging. Ask God to build it. God wants His people to go together. Now, there are problems, but those problems can be overcome. A Greek soldier. In uh, literature is quoted as saying one day he came to his general he said my sword is too short my sword is too short and the general responded add a step add a step if your sword is too short get closer to the work add a step add a step and I believe God would say to us, add a step of enthusiasm, add a step of excitement, add a step of, exp- of sacrifice, add a step of giving, add a step of togetherness, and go forward. Turn your Bible to, to 1 Chron- Chronicles chapter 29, verse two, and look at verse two for just a moment. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of God. I have prepared the conditioning of the mind, preparing with all our might. You know, life is full of preparation. If you're a young athlete, you prepare all year long for what you're gonna do. I asked Cleo, how did Chris become such a good basketball player? He went, took me way up in Hart County. You remember that? And he showed me a house that he used to live in. He said, when Chris was a little boy, I put a, a basketball goal out there and every day we went out there and practiced. Every day we went out there and practiced, 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 practice, practice. If you're a young athlete, you practice you prepare to get ready for the event if you're in the band you spend a whole week preparing to present that for the football game or for the concert or whatever you're going to do on Friday or Saturday night if you're a student and you're facing a test you'll probably prepare for 30 minutes domestic engineers I heard cooks called domestic engineers you have a company you're going to prepare that dinner well I want to tell you we have to prepare for the work of God and that's what we're doing right now somebody said well can we build this year sure if we can get a couple of million dollars in can we do the whole work at one time? Sure we can. All we have to do is ask God to give the money and all the sacrifice together, put it in, and we can do it. But if all that money doesn't come at one time, we're preparing little by little, inch by inch, week by week, month by month, year by year, preparing to do a great work for God together. We can give it together. We can go on together, we can get it accomplished together. David said, I prepared with all my heart. I conditioned my mind. We must condition our mind to do a marvelous work for God. I've met some people during this program, Pilgrims for Progress, who have said, earlier in the week, earlier in the months, they said, you know, I just don't have anything to give. And those same people, after we prayed and studied and thought, have come and said, you know, I don't have much to give, but I'm gonna give by faith. I'm gonna believe God. God will help me. The prayer, the prayerful mind. Listen, there's a place where thou canst touch the eyes of blinded men to instant perfect sight. There is a place where thou canst say, Arise to dying captives bound in chains of night. There is a place where thou canst reach the store of hoarded gold and free it for the Lord. The secret place of prayer. God answers prayer. Look in verse 3 for just a moment. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection upon the house of God, the compassion of God, David said, I have set my affection on the house of God. I think of the love in his heart for the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When you woke up this morning tired and weary and you had a lot of things on your mind, deep in your heart did you say, I was glad when they said unto me, this is Sunday, let us go into the house of the Lord. I dare you to start saying that to yourself. Some who were listening by radio this morning and you didn't feel like getting up and going... (laughs) Why don't you next Sunday morning wake up about 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock and just say over and over again, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I want to say we need to be faithful to the Lord's church. God will bless us as we are. The compassion that David had, I have set my affection on the house of the Lord. I gave out of the spirit of love. For the house of my God God's house you think of that term God's house the house of the Lord just as a hospital exists to alleviate pain a lighthouse exists to provide safety a college exists to dispel ignorance the house of God exists to carry on the functions of God salvation sanctification Strengthening, stimulating the people, helping them to go on with God. That's what the house of God is all about. The church is the people, but this is the house of God. And the house of God is so very, very important. The house of God exists to alleviate pain, to prevent loss, to dispel ignorance spiritually, and to carry on the functions of the Lord and to point people to Jesus. That's what it's for. This fire, this t- this building is shaped like that and if you'll just look up there about 40 or 50 feet you see that points to heaven I told you the other day about Mrs. Vaught's, no, son-in-law Mrs. Vaught's son-in-law Jimmy Jackson he came to church one day, he'd been in the armed forces he came to church one day he was lost on his way to hell people had witnessed to him folks had prayed for him and during the invitation, he said this later in the testimony. He said, I looked up and I saw that arrow pointing to heaven. I'd never thought of that as an arrow. But see, God's Holy Spirit pointed in his heart and said, that's an arrow pointing to heaven. Jimmy Jackson came down that aisle yielding his heart to Christ. That's what the church is. It's an arrow pointing to heaven. It's a signpost along the way. The house of God is saying, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God that's what the church of God is and well the Jews had a wonderful thought they had an ancient expression when they were going up to Jerusalem every time they'd go to Jerusalem they would go to the house of God to worship and you read in the Psalms and in other places in the Old Testament they would say we're going up to appear before the Lord We're going up to appear before the Lord. What did that mean? It meant they're going to God's house to appear before the Lord for the Lord is there. Now the Lord is in His temple today, the body of believers. But when the body of believers inhabit the house of God, the Lord can be there in mighty power. I've run out of time, but I want to call your attention to verse 9. Just look at verse 9 a moment. The people rejoiced. Then the people rejoiced. In verse 7, there was a commitment made. And they gave for the service of the house of God. And then the people rejoiced. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. We've seen some glorious days here at this place. I remember one day, on one single day, 60 people walked down the aisle professing faith in Jesus Christ. That's because the people had I think that was near the time of dedication of this building. And God has blessed. But we're in a new day. We're in a new time. We still have the same old message told in the wonderful book of God. We have the same Lord Jesus who died on a cross for our sins. We have the same sin, exceeding sinfulness that deceives men's hearts. And we must waken them to their need for Christ the days ahead, the years ahead demand sacrificial service in 1986 to do something for God for the days that are just ahead of us the greatest thing we can do is first of all to receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior invite him to come in and say Lord I'm tired of going on without you the other day I had a funeral man that I greatly loved and respected. At that funeral, I told a little bit about his life. and Then I told about Jesus. How God can save whosoever will. And a young army man was there. And when I gave the invitation at the close of the service, he lifted his hand. I talked to him later. He said, I want Jesus. I'm going back to the service. I've just been here for the funeral. But he said, I'm going back with Jesus in my heart. That's what the church is all about. That's what God's work is all about. To have Christ conveyed to people's hearts. And Jesus can come into your heart today. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've broken the law of God. And God has to bring judgment on sin because God hates sin. But Jesus came and said, Father, I'll take their place. And when Jesus died on the cross, he who knew no sin became sinful. He became the thing accursed and God accepted what Jesus did as enough punishment for my sins and your sins and when we invite him to come into our heart he forgives and cleanses and saves and you can do that and then if you're already saved you need to go on with God going on with God begins by making it public and following him in baptism and then doing something in the name of our Lord for Christ in our generation may we pray Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this precious time. Thank you for your dear people on this last Sunday of July who have met to worship thee in spirit and in truth. We pray that just now, the Lord will speak to hearts. While we wait prayerfully, right where we're seated, I want to ask everybody here to look into his own heart and say Lord what wilt thou have me to do what wilt thou have me to do about Jesus about receiving him as Savior about going on with God about a togetherness Lord what wilt thou have me to do we thank you Father that you're revealing this to us in Jesus name, amen. May we stand please, everyone standing. We're going to sing, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come, I come to thee. This is God's invitation. I want to ask if you would come to him today, just as you are. You have somewhere before you came today invited Jesus to come into your heart to be your Savior. Would you just ask God for the strength to get up from where you are and come and say, I want everybody to know that. I'm not ashamed of Christ. I want to make it public. I want others to know that Christ is in my heart. You may never have been saved or you're not really positive you'd go to heaven if you died today. Would you come and let us just share with you from the Bible how to know this. You may be a member of another church and God may be leading you to Glendale. Would you come while we pray, while we sing, will you step out for Christ right now. God help you to do it. Don't wait. Just get up and come right now. God help you.